I have been really down on the Warren Buffett type investing strategy this year. Now, every self-respected investor calls himself a Warren Buffett investor, of course. It's like, you know, the ABCs of investing, right? You learn in Warren Buffett's investing strategy. You learn the fundamentals of what he invests in, and then you implement that strategy yourself. But realistically, if you look at anyone who's had any sort of returns this year, they spurred way off that course. And I think it's important that we start thinking about different ways to acknowledge how a company is worth and whether that's worthy of your investment. Now, what do I mean by a Warren Buffett type of investor? Of course, you know, as an investing podcast, you've heard this probably a couple of times. But for, for those of you who haven't, this is the type of investor knows and calls himself a value investor. They look at the company. They say, hmm, is the intrinsic value or is the value of the assets of the company, is the cash flow it's bringing in, does that make sense for the stock price that I am paying? Now, countless time and time and time again, in this super overvalued market, the truth is, a lot of times you're not going to get that clean Warren Buffett type of investment. Where you see a company, it's like, oh, they're making this much money per year, but they only cost this much in stock price. Easy buy. Those companies really just don't exist anymore. Now, why is that? For years and years now, we have gone from a place where most of companies' wealth used to be tangible. Think about it. You used to have these huge factories. You used to have these huge product lines, these huge contracts. And that determined how much value you could be, make. You're a car plant. You can only make this amount of cars. However, we've actually transferred ourselves to a different type of value that we see in companies. More and more companies' values are actually intangible. We can't feel them. We can't touch them. We can't even really see them. But we know that value's there. Case in point, think about a company like Apple. Now, of course, you can look at other laptops. You can look at other phones, even other streaming devices. What's Apple's true advantage? It's the brand, right? Now, think about this. I can have money. I can be a millionaire. There's only so many ways that I can show people I have money without literally pulling out my wallet and showing people I have money, right? If you're upper class, you want to show that you're upper class. If you're rich, you want to show that you're rich. Now, you can buy a gold chain, but that's tacky in a lot of situations. You can buy a Rolex, but that's really, really expensive. You don't want that to get stolen, do you? Or you can just buy an Apple phone. Trust me. Apple phone launch date. You get that Apple phone. You will feel like a millionaire among your friends walking and showing that off. You get the new Apple watch when it drops. People will stop and stare. It's like, oh, that new one. Oh, that looks cool. You get the new AirPods. All of a sudden, you look like a millionaire just walking down the street. Apple's products, when they launch, always give people that exclusive feeling of being elite without necessarily dropping that Gucci, Prada, Louis type bag. Now, in that world, a world where, of course, you're more thinking about brand, 
Well, now we start to get to an interesting place because as an investor, you, can you really research brand? I mean, of course you can. You can look at you know the top most recognizable brands. There's lists like that. But a lot of times your intuition on whether you should buy a stock or not comes down to are you interested like are you using that stock or that product that that company's making are you using it your, it yourself are you using it daily weekly monthly what do you think about the product what do you think your friends think about the product you start to think about companies more like that to understand their brand position and that a lot of times will give you the actual let's say the go ahead to invest in that stock or if it's a worthy investment of yourself so that's basically how i go and look at stocks. I would say to myself, hmm, is this something I use? Because a lot of these companies are based seeing their value on their viewer, like their usership. So if I'm someone who uses this product and I'm one of the billions of users or hundreds of millions of users, what do I think about this company and what do I think about its competition and why do I use it? So interestingly enough, once I have that kind of framework down of using of investing in companies that I actually use. Now I need to remind myself and find these companies and see if it's actually, you know, good investment for myself. So I'm gonna give you five places that I actually find companies to invest in. Um, We're gonna go, I'm gonna give you five places and I'm gonna kind of share my insights on them. Now the number one place I think is a great place to find companies investment is the top 10 holdings of an ETF. Now think about any ETF you hold in your portfolio, whether it's SPY, QQQ, SPHD. Now they all hold a bunch of companies. S&P 500, the ETFs that mimic that, technically some of them hold around 500 plus companies or 100 plus companies. However, when you look at the actual makeup of these ETFs, The top 10 holdings are like 25% of the ETFs. It's actually pretty crazy. It's pretty insane. QQQ, it's like 30%. Pretty insane. It's a literal insanity. So with that in mind, when you're buying an ETF, you're buying these top 10 holdings. Well, in some cases, it might be just a better idea to buy the holding itself, right? If one of its top 10 holdings is Google and Google is undervalued in the market, maybe you can just buy Google shares yourself instead of just buying ETF that puts your money in everything. Maybe you think Amazon has gone too high for the moment. So you're like, maybe Google is a better bet than that. That's a great place to find stocks. And then plus, when you start looking at other stocks that are a bit more specialized, think about ticker symbol ARKK, my girl Kathy Woods holding that one down, or think about Warren Buffett's ticker symbol of BRK.B. You can start to see what a lot of your favorite Um, fund managers are investing in. One of the best companies that I found this year was GameStop. Now, if you remember Michael Burry from The Big Short, he basically is the one that predicted that the housing market was going to crash. And he bought his, uh, what is it, uh, credit default swaps or something like that to basically take advantage of the market going down and make a ton of money on it. Now, whenever he gets into companies... I specifically look at that. I'm like, hmm, is that a good investment? One of the big companies he was investing in? GameStop. Now think about it. 
GameStop has been getting ruined lately, absolutely ruined in the years. And this is mostly because they used to make a lot of their money from used games. These consoles started going with digital downloads. Therefore, the used, basically the used business model of like getting customers to sell in their used games, give them a little bit of money and then sell it back to the populace for like three times what you bought it for. That whole product model has gone right out the window because people are downloading new games online. However, GameStop has exploded this year and literally tripled and quadrupled sometimes in their price. I bought it at $5, it's now worth around $20. Now it's really volatile, so it might be only worth like $17, but still, it has absolutely exploded this year. And why is that? So I found the stock by you know following Michael Burry and seeing what his portfolio is investing in. Me being a gamer myself, I knew that, hmm, when PS5 and Xbox One actually start coming out, this could be a great investment. Now, at the same time, it's risky because just because the PS5 comes out doesn't necessarily mean that the sales of GameStop will go up because PS5 isn't necessarily driving all this value to the company. However, it's one of those rare companies where the intrinsic value of all the places they had, their online infrastructure, their brand name was so big that when I think about where am I going to buy a PS5, one of the first places that I think of is GameStop. That means something. And because of that, I think whether you're going into GameStop and you're also buying a Funko Pop or you're buying a T-shirt or you're buying one of these other kind of uh, other things with the PS5 in a GameStop, I think that's really extremely valuable. And because of that, that's why I invested. Now, it would be really risky for other investors. So I didn't put a lot of money in and I didn't really broadcast that much about buying it, but it was a good investment. Another place you can find companies is Robinhood. Robinhood lets you know what the top traded stocks are. I don't really go on Robinhood. And I don't necessarily invest in companies just because they're top on Robinhood, but it is always a good way to get, you know, a sense of the pulse of what is driving the market or what kind of nonsense or craziness is happening in the market. You look at another place. Sorry. So this is the third one, which is Wall Street Bets. This is on Reddit. You look at these two places, you can see what the most popular stocks are going on. On in the market. So a company like NOI, absolutely exploding, right? Or what was that one? Uh, Tesla. What's the other Tesla one? I can't, I can't even remember. <clears throat> but when companies are absolutely exploding, you'll see them on Robinhood and you'll see them all street breads. And then you can kind of start reading on why these are exploding. Sometimes I kind of use these as a gauge to see, hmm, is the market really hot right now? Or is the market really cold right now? When I see just the randomest stock exploding, I'm like, okay, the market's a little on fire. Maybe, especially if we're at all-time highs, maybe it's a point where maybe I don't invest next week on in a company and I kind of start building up that cash position to kind of see if there's any undervalued stocks. The number four spot I look to really capture and get in on a stock is... I look at what my professor is investing in. <laughs> this is a weird one, but um, my professor, my CFA professor, he 
he uh, runs a fund, runs a fund of around a half a million dollars. And in that fund, he buys call options, he does short put options, and he shows what he's investing in. This year, his portfolio got destroyed. Um, you know, when the market was going down, it really, his portfolio really went down and he didn't want to reinvest when the market was at its low because it looked like we were going to be in a recession for quite a bit. No one purchased that crazy jump up. And now his portfolio is doing a bit better. It's only down 25% instead of 50%. But I do look at his portfolio to see his mindset, where he's going, which industries he thinks are hit, which industries do they think there's value. It is good insights on seeing what's going on, even though I don't necessarily copy any of those trades, especially anymore. Um, it is great just insights seeing on what like a more academic person is seeing in the market and seeing where the value is. And finally, I think this is going to be probably one of the easiest places to find value for a lot of you guys and find stocks to invest in for a lot of you guys is YouTube videos. Now, I've watched a lot of YouTubers. I watch a lot of their stock recommendations. One of the most interesting channels that I've been actually following heavily their stock recommendations has to go to my boy, Jeremy with the channel Financial Education. I think his stock picks, it's obvious, is going to be gold for a long time. Now, why are YouTubers going to overperform when it comes to stock picks? <clears throat> I think it's very obvious. A lot of these YouTubers who are really going in there, really building community, really building kind of the infrastructure to actually have a good stock picking team is they attract a ton of successful investors around them. Think about this. You have a million views a week, right? On your videos. What happens is a lot of people who are interested in seeing investing videos, start watching your videos. They start hitting you up in DMS. They start hitting you up in your private groups. And all of a sudden, these already successful investors become part of your team of the people of the companies that you discuss, whether it's worthy investing in. And what's happening in a Jeremy situation is he's basically in such a deep network of all these really successful investors that he's hearing about companies that are great value at early or early enough times to actually invest in. And the beautiful thing about YouTube is that YouTubers are financially compensated with sharing the best advice. So if he thinks a company's worth investing in, he's not going to hold it for his just subscribing members or his really ones that are paying week to week, month to month. He's sharing with everybody. And if that company that he shares jives with you and jives with your whatever your um, investment strategy is, whether you're investing in companies that you can run through a stock screen and screen it out for low PE ratios or high revenue growth. Whatever your investing method is, YouTubers are at least going to show you some good companies or some good ways of thinking that can actually drive some extra value in your portfolio and show you companies maybe you've never thought about that or reconfirm ones that you've thought about. So interestingly enough, two of the companies that he's been talking about that I think are really good investments are one, Beyond Meat. I think that is absolutely a gold mind of a company right now, especially me who's heavy in tech and wants to start diversifying out of tech, start reallocating my tech funds somewhere else. Beyond me, steel, absolutely. 
Next one, Dropbox. I started investing in Dropbox. I wanted to build a bigger position, but it went from $20 to $24. So I only have around 2% of my portfolio in there. But if it drops again, I will buy more 100%. Uh, another one that I really won off of is Nordstrom. My goodness, it was what the best play I've ever made. And realistically, the only reason I bought Nordstrom is because I bought a coat from there. It was amazing. All of the stuff in their store is high designer. It's high brand. And we know that 40% of people were unaffected by the coronavirus. Most of those people are the super rich people. Super rich people stop at Nordstrom. And Nordstrom was being valued like it was Kmart or something. It was crazy. Nordstrom is not the gap. It doesn't have the same economics that the gap has. So with Nordstrom's price being valued like it was the gap, it made absolutely no sense, which means it was an easy buy. So as soon as the market started correcting itself and going up, Nordstrom got an even higher multiplier. And then the crazy thing with these YouTubers are if a company's stock valuation is only around $8 billion or around like hundreds of millions of dollars, there's enough community behind these YouTubers. There's enough investors behind these YouTubers that they could realistically, and I know obviously like, you know, it's not the most money, but they could move the company enough to get fund managers to have these companies picked up on whatever algorithms they're running. And if it's a good company, it will have a chance of exploding just from him making a YouTube video about it. Now, right now, this phenomenon isn't like one-to-one, -one, right? He doesn't invest in the company and just explodes the next week. However, in the future, with more and more people following, with more successful investors following him, and bet best believe there's a lot of fund managers looking at his channel to see how it's doing, we're going to see that phenomenon happen more. Now, so far, I do watch a lot of other YouTube channels, but Jeremy John's is the only YouTube recommendation so far that I've really, really looked into on the American side. Um, on the Canadian side, there is one other dude. I can't remember his name right now, but I do end up watching his videos here and there just to get a refresher, a taste of what's popping on the Canadian side. But I think YouTube videos are going to overperform. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. Let me know where you find stocks. It's at FlySui on Twitter. Do you use any of these places to find what your next best stock is? Let me know. And we, Flight Crew, have to take off. Yeah.